Well, it is fantastic to have you join with us this morning. And if you are visiting us online, welcome to you. Uh, If you live in London, uh, it'd be great to see you in person here at HDC when this lockdown is over. But as Josh uh, said earlier, we're continuing this Don't Lose Heart sermon series, and I'm speaking today on giving in a time of taking, and speaking on that passage that Amy just read for us. So before we look at it any further... Uh, Wherever you are, let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you come and speak to each one of us by the power of your spirit as I speak now. And Lord Jesus, we pray that this would be a time, not just a sort of a time of information to our minds, but rather, Lord Jesus, we pray that this time would be a time of transformation, A time of transformation to our minds, transformation for our hearts, and transformation for our wills. And Jesus, we pray this for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, it was coming up to Christmas about 15 years ago now, and someone else, a Christian, he was speaking to me uh, and to a few others, and he was saying how each Christmas, each Christmas as he gives presents to his children, more and more uh, he comes to the realization of how right Jesus was when Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, stupid me, in that moment, before I could sort of put a guard on my mouth, before I could sense check what I was going to say, before I could control the public persona that I was putting out by what I said, I just, I just blurted it out. I, I blurted it out. I spoke before I thought. You see, when he said uh, how right Jesus is to say it is more blessed to give rather than to receive, immediately I said, oh, I much prefer receiving rather than giving. And then it was out there. And then there was a sort of slow dawning realization that, well, what did people think of me, first of all? How unchristian is Jago saying that? But also the dawning realization how my heart was so far from Jesus' heart in this whole area of giving. Now, today, 15 or so years after that event, we are coming up to Christmas again. And I wonder today, how is your heart? How is my heart today in this whole area of giving? And my hunch is, if you're anything like me, my hunch is actually that your heart is not that pretty a picture. Because with all the significant challenges of COVID and of lockdown, many of us, we have slightly retreated. If you like, in the castle of our life, we've pulled up the drawbridge and we're just focused on ourselves and the few people in our castle. We're just looking after ourselves. Yes, we we may have given to the food bank. Yes, we may have given to the church's general giving needs on Vision Sunday. Yes, we may have helped with this, that or the other for our neighbor, whoever it is. But if we're honest, only in a sort of limited, controlled, containable fashion. Yes, we've given but only in a very measured way. I reckon if we're honest, in 2020, it has felt like self-preservation is the name of the game. Uh, On on my Instagram feed this week, there was a a little video from Cora Jakes Coleman, one of T.D. Jakes' daughters, and she said this. She said, there are so many things going on in the world right now where we could be in a posture of gimme, 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 
but I want to challenge you, she said. And her words there, really they summarize the message for us today in this next bit of 2 Corinthians as we discover the Macedonian churches. Now the Macedonian churches, they are a major challenge to the Christians in Corinth that Paul is writing to and their gimme, gimme, gimme posture. But actually, these Macedonian churches, they are a major challenge to us as well today and our gimme, gimme, gimme posture. Just look again at the first two verses of chapter 8. This is what Paul writes. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, now the specific context there, it's a financial collection from loads of different churches, a financial collection to give to the church in Jerusalem who was struggling at that time with massive poverty due to persecution and due to famine. And the Macedonian churches, they would have been these sort of little, rural, poor, backwater churches lacking any real financial clout compared to the mighty church in Corinth. Or indeed, I might add, compared to the mighty church in Clapham as well. And so today, I would love us to learn from and be challenged by these Macedonian Christians as Paul speaks about how they went about their giving. You know, sometimes when, we, when, when we're challenged by something, that challenge, it causes us to, to lose heart. But my prayer today for each one of us, my prayer for you, is that this challenge, as we think about this challenge in this passage, that it wouldn't cause us to lose heart. No, it would cause our hearts to grow. That's my prayer for today. So we're going to look at two simple but deeply radical things about giving. And they are this, as a Christian, how to give and why to give. How and why. So first of all, how to give. Well, we give sacrificially and yet celebrating. Now, those two things, they might sound rather a contrast. You know, how can you be sacrificial and yet celebrating? But Paul says both of those two things. We're to give sacrificially and yet celebrating. See, the most common word that is used in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, these two chapters that are all about giving, the most common word that Paul uses is the word generosity. And just look at the time that that word generosity crops up in our passage today. Verse 2, he says, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You see, generosity, it's not just sort of about remembering to drop off a couple of tins of food at the food bank from our 150-pound Waitrose shop. No, when Paul says that the Macedonians' giving was generous, he means it was sacrificial. He means their giving, it, it hurt them. It was so sacrificial. Just look at the next verse. Look at verse 3 and how he continues. He says, verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Isn't that incredible? They gave beyond their ability. If, If we don't notice our giving, If our giving just sort of slips out of our bank account without much problem, we should probably be giving a lot more. 
Being generous, sacrificial givers means it does affect our standard of living. We can't do things or buy things that we might have done or bought before. And yet, and yet despite this sacrifice, there is such a joy in giving. There is this celebration. That's what's happening with the Macedonians. Look at the next verse. Verse 4, Paul says, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. These Macedonian Christians, they love giving, don't they? They love it. They want to give. As Paul famously says in the next chapter, he says, God loves a cheerful giver. Literally, God loves a hilarious giver. If you can't give with a smile on your face, then don't give at all. So how do we give? We give sacrificially. It hurts. And yet we give celebrating. We give celebrating. It is a joyous thing. But also, how do we give? Well, we give pressure-free and yet planned. So Paul says in verse 8, he says, I am not commanding you. He says it's pressure-free. Similarly, in the next chapter, Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Real giving, it cannot be commanded or pressurized, but that doesn't mean that we don't plan our giving. Today, I'm going to mention a few times our Revitalized 250 building project. Now, many of you, you'll know quite a bit about it already. You'll have looked at our webpage and seen that. You'll have looked at our Revitalized 250 blog and some of the posts on that. You'll have heard me speak about it. Many of you will have filled in the, the, the survey that we asked you to fill in about it around uh, Vision Sunday back at the beginning of October. And a huge thank you to the many of you who filled that in. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, do have a look on our website. There's loads of information there. But, you know, when I mentioned Revitalized 250 about six, seven weeks ago, I didn't ask you to give then and there other than asking you to give £2.50 via text message. And the reason I didn't ask you to give then, because I wanted you to have time to think it through and pray it through. To be able to have this planned, unpressurized time. Just look at how Paul continues to the Corinthians in verse 10, just after what was read by Amy. This is what Paul says. He says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. In other words, Paul is saying that. He's saying, don't just say you're willing to give. No, get on and do it. Plan it out. Follow through on it. And that is what I'd encourage many of you, many of us to do today, to follow through on your thinking and give to Revitalize 250. And you know, it's right that those who have more should give more. Verse 11 again, it finishes by saying, according to your means. According to your means. And, you know, in our church, we have the, the whole range, don't we? We have people with loads of income to those with hardly any. 
And so when we think about Revitalize 250, which needs over four million pounds worth of giving, you do the maths. Four million pounds, around 500 adults in the church, that is 8,000 pounds each. And so in our plans, of course, some are going to be able to give more than that. And others, nothing like that amount. But all of us, all of us, as we think about our giving to Revitalize 250, and more than that, as we think about our giving just as a whole lifestyle, our giving as a, as a follower, a disciple of Jesus, as we think about giving far more broadly than the building project, well, how do we give? How do we give as a lifestyle of being someone who gives? How do we give? We give sacrificially, yet celebrating. And we give pressure-free and yet planned. Now, I'd love you to um, watch a little two-minute video that's uh, going to go onto our Revitalize 250 blog tomorrow. It's two people in our church family, Weng and Kieran Lee, and they're talking about how and why they are giving to Revitalize 250. And as you watch it, I'd love you particularly just to spot some of those characteristics that I've just been speaking about, about how they go about their giving. So let's watch this little video. I'm Wayne. I'm Kieran. We come to HTC. We'd like to tell you a bit about how and why we're contributing to Revitalize 250. We're really excited about Revitalize 250 because it seeks to maximize the use of the building. For example, we're part of the hosting team and it will really help provide a warm welcome to visitors to the church. We consider the church our home. Just as we want to take care of this building and invest in it, so we find ourselves privileged to be in a time and place where we can be part of the amazing plans and improvements um, at the church building that have been 250 years in the making. I was involved with the building committee in the early days and I'm totally convinced that they have come up with an optimum solution for the building which is practical, cost-effective and sympathetic to the history and the environment. We find that this year onwards is our time to prioritise giving to Revitalise 250 for the works that are being done there. So I have maintained my giving as I'm between jobs and a portion of my salary will go towards the Revitalise 250. Um, a portion of the rental income from the flat that I used to live in before we got married um, will go towards Revitalise 250 or a lump sum if it's sold. I will be increasing my contribution on a monthly basis to HTC. And in addition to that, I will be making a lump sum contribution to Revitalise 250 from my retirement savings. If you have been inspired or encouraged to give to HTC Revitalise 250, please go to the HTC website. Now, um, when I asked Kieran and Wang to, if they'd be happy to be filmed, I asked them to say something about why and how they are giving to Revitalize 250. And that's exactly what they did, didn't they? 
And, and really what we've done so far today is to think about how we give. But I'd love us to turn now to think about, the, if you like, the even more important question, and that is why. Why do we give? As a Christian, why do we give? Well, there are two main reasons. Number one, we give because of passion for the vision. I don't know if you noticed what Kieran said in that little video, but she said this. She said that we find ourselves privileged to be in a time and a place where we can be a part of the amazing plans of the church. And that word privilege that she used, it's quite a strong word, isn't it? But I don't know if Kieran realized this, but actually that word she used, privilege, it is exactly the same word that Paul uses when talking about the Macedonians giving. Just look at verse 4 again. This is what he says. He says, the Macedonians urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You see, like Wang and Kieran, the Macedonians, they they caught the vision of this project for them, which was providing for these Christians in Jerusalem who were facing persecution and famine. They caught the vision and they wanted to be a part of it. All the same idea later in the chapter. Paul, he writes about this gift to the Jerusalem church, and he says this. He says, we administer it in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. You see, we give because we are eager, because we are passionate to be a part of whatever it is that we are giving to. And above all, that passion, it should be about bringing glory to God. So verse 19 again, it says, in order to honor the Lord himself. You see, if God is not going to be honored and glorified by something, then don't give to it. See, there there are two things that I would love to encourage each of you to give to at the moment in addition to the regular church giving. And those are, firstly, Revitalize 250, our building project. But secondly, Love Christmas, this initiative that Josh mentioned to give food and gift packages to those most in need this Christmas time as a result of the COVID pandemic. Now, those two things, they might at first glance, they might seem completely different things. But here is what they both have in common. Both of them, they are God-honoring. Both of them are bringing people to marvel at Jesus. Uh, Whether that is through the love of Jesus being shown to someone in need through a food parcel which contains a Why Christmas booklet and an invitation to Alpha here at HDC, or whether it's the love of Jesus shown through being able to actually carry out the vision of this church more effectively, which Revitalize 250 will enable us to do both through this church and the churches that we plant in the coming years. Just listen to this quote uh, that I received just this week from Nicky Gumbel. This is what Nicky said. He said this. He said, it has been wonderful to see all the activity at HTC in recent years. Revitalize 250 will help enable the vision of that growing church community. And I am fully supportive of the plans. Wilberforce and the Clapham sect transformed the world from Clapham in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we hope and believe for more world-changing transformation from Clapham in the years to come. So why give? Because of passion for the vision. Now, I'm going to show you another very short video from the Revitalized 250 blog, this time from Steph Brown explaining why and how she is giving to it. And again, as you listen to it, just note why Steph says she's giving. Just note her passion for the vision. Have a listen to this.
I'm most excited about Revitalise 250 because of the social justice and outreach work it's going to enable us as a church to do for God's Kingdom. We'll have an extended and a more flexible space in which we can grow our anti-human trafficking work, provide debt advice, post-abortion and pregnancy counselling, support those in recovery from addictions and help those released from Brixton Prison to reintegrate into daily life. Of course I wanted to give to this project straight away but I couldn't afford to increase my monthly giving at the time. I prayed about how I could give and thought are there any savings I could use or is there anything that I could sell and then I thought of the pot of inheritance money that I have and so I chose joyfully to give from that. If, like me, increasing your monthly giving isn't an option for you at the moment, then I really hope that this inspires you to think creatively about how you might be able to give to this wonderful and God-blessed project. So why give? Well, passion for the vision, yes. But you know, also there is an even more important reason. And here's the reason that is exclusively a reason for Christians to give. Why give? Why give? Whatever it is that we're giving to, why give? Well, because of the grace of God. Because God, he has first given to you. You see, behind the generosity of the Macedonians, Paul sees the generosity of God. Just look again at the first verse. Verse 1, what does Paul actually say there? He says, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And verse 9, it sums it up best. Verse 9 is the most amazing verse. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Do you believe that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he voluntarily gave up his status, his power, his glory, his intimacy with the Father, that he gave up all the riches of heaven for you? Do you believe, Jesus, that he loves you so much that he gave up his life on the cross for you? Do you believe, Jesus, that he loves you so much that he became poor for you so that you might become rich in him? Do you believe that today? You see, all Christian giving it begins with the grace of God, with the realization that God, he is a giving, self-sacrificing, loving, generous God. You know, if God's done all that for me, of course I want to give generously in response to all he's first given me. You know, in, in verse 4, that word privilege that I mentioned earlier, actually that word privilege in the Greek, it is the word grace. So if you look at verse 4, it, verse 4 says they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege, literally for the grace of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And the word grace, it's there again in verses 6 and 7, both times about speaking about giving financially. Verse 6, so we urged Titus, just as he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. 
But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Why give? It is all in response to God's grace. You know, first of all, God wants you to give, not your money, but he wants you to give yourself to him. In verse 5, it says of the Macedonians, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Today, HTC, our giving, it is not just an act of charity. It's not just an act of charity, whether it's giving to this church or to a Christian charity, whether it's giving to Revitalize 250 or Love Christmas or giving to an individual that we particularly know is in need at this time. Our giving, it's not just an act of charity. As you give, whatever the context, as you give, you know, as you give sacrificially, celebrating, pressure-free, planned. As you give, it is not just an act of charity, and it's not just because you are passionate of some particular vision that you are giving to, as important as that is. No, actually, as you give, it is more than that. As you give, it's not just an act of charity, but it is an act of worship. As you give, it is an act of worship. It is part of you first giving yourself to God. It is your response to who God is and all that God has given you. Giving, it is our response to the grace of God. And HTC, as a church, may we excel in this grace of giving.